Chapter Twenty Six of The Lark by E. Nesbitt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. You may be sure that Miss Antrobus sheets will be well aired, Mrs. Rochester. I may be old-fashioned, but I believe in airing everything. Sheets, pillowcases, cushion covers, towels, all are aired here, and aired thoroughly, you may rely upon it. Thus spoke very gently and seriously in a sweet, faded voice a delicious old lady in brown satin. Her grey hair was crowned with a cap of soft lace, and her chin, rather too rounded for age, if one could have seen it properly, was buried in a lace fichu. Mr. Hugo had given the invaluable hint that convex shoulders suggest a concave chest, and the old lady stooped a great deal. Her hands, where the mittens let them show, were made up with consummate art and the tiniest grey wrinkles. Her forehead was very wrinkled, and these wrinkles were not painted, they were actual corrugations, fine and deep, even in the soft light of the drawing-room lamp, which Jane had hastily veiled with a blue chiffon scarf. The wrinkles showed plainly. The old lady sat in a big chair, her feet on a footstool, and on her satin lap knitting lay. Mrs. Rochester sat quite near her, trusting, talkative. You may wonder that she did not recall that her buffeting at the hands of Jane had been due to Jane's having mistaken her for her cousin dressed up, and hence made the short, irresistible deduction. But then you must remember that her own son had endorsed the fiction of Aunt Harriet's existence, and above all you must allow for the india-rubber forehead, complete with eyebrows and ear-coverings, supplied by the genius of Mr. Hugo. Mrs. Rochester was obviously wholly without suspicion, and Jane had to go out of the room expressly to laugh at the success of the play. Perhaps, too, she wanted to shift the whole burden of the interview on to Lucilla's shoulders for a little while. Her own felt stiff with the weight of the afternoon. At any rate, she got away and crept round and sat down behind the library door to listen unashamed. This is what rewarded her. Now we have a moment alone, dear Miss Lucas, Mrs. Rochester was saying, in the high, clear voice of one who wishes to be understood by the rather deaf. I should like to make a little confidence. These delightful nieces of yours, so light-hearted and free from care. Yes, but you will understand. I am sure Miss Antrobus will have a real home with you. And I have a rather special reason for having the dear girl's welfare very much at heart. I must confess to you that I look upon Miss Antrobus as a daughter already. Indeed, said Aunt Harriet, almost too calmly. One of your sons is engaged to the lady, then? My only son, said Mrs. Rochester. It's an old attachment. They were little lovers as children, but it's not announced yet, so, of course, not a word to either of them. You, who know my dear boy so well, will feel with me that Hilda Antrobus is a lucky girl, and when you know her you will feel that he's lucky too, yes? I cannot say that I know Mr. Rochester very well, said the spurious aunt. He has called two or three times, I believe, but I dare say now Miss Antrobus is to be with us we shall see more of him. Well played, Lucy, said Jane behind the library door. I feel sure I may trust to your kind feeling to, to, well, to give the young people opportunities of being together, you understand? A little tact, a little blindness, 
a not too efficient chaperonage a sort of je ne sais quoi not exactly the making of opportunities but the smoothing away of obstacles if obstacles are likely to occur but i am sure you understand yes i think so said aunt harriet i am not myself an experienced matchmaker but oh but said mrs rochester clasping her little grey suede-covered hands the match is already made i tell you this in confidence though of course i have no objection to your telling your nieces so long as they understand that it is a confidence no congratulations of course no allusions even here the front door-bell reverberated through the house but i am detaining you said mrs rochester you are expecting visitors not at all said the wonderful aunt that is probably one of the maids my housekeeper allows them to come in by the front door on their evenings out she tells me it obviates those undesirable lingering partings in the shrubbery leading to the back premises here the drawing-room door opened and stanley announced mr tombs stanley was one of those admirable servants who seem made of wood and wire she never glanced towards the ladies but shut the door softly and retired as mr tombs advanced oh poor lucy said jane and managed to get around to the drawing-room before mr tombs had had time to do more than seek to excuse the lateness of his call very late i know for a business call but i thought it would save correspondence if i came personally to inquire if mr tombs will wait in the library my dear said the aunt to jane i shall be disengaged presently oh but i mustn't detain you mrs rochester spoke at once on this hint our little talk is quite over i have so enjoyed it miss lucas good evening oh no i am not at all nervous besides my son is waiting for me under cover of the lady's withdrawal mr tombs said i didn't know there was an aunt well there is as you see said jane resenting what she took to be a certain cavalierness of tone i beg your pardon he said turning his thin face and dark glasses towards her i have a detestable habit of thinking aloud i was only wondering whether i ought to have addressed myself at first to the elder lady as a matter of courtesy instead of to miss cray oh not at all said jane mollified auntie this is mr tombs who is coming to stay with us to-morrow auntie greeted him with delicate gentle cordiality i hope you will be happy with us mr tombs she said we will do our best to make your visit a pleasant one or have you come to notify us of some alteration in your arrangements only in so far as to ask whether i may bring my traps in the afternoon instead of the morning because i find certainly said jane forgetting for a moment her part of subservient niece the rooms are ready dear jane said her aunt gently mr tombs was speaking you were saying he said it again and jane remained tongue-tied while the untrue aunt answered with suave propriety he replied suitably and the interview ended by jane's offering to show him out an office which at all times appealed to her the maids are at supper she said in the hall he said i really am most awfully sorry i said i didn't know there was an aunt i can't think how i could 
you won't see very much of her said jane oh the more the merrier with such a delicious old lady there i go again do please forgive me i'm like cheviot hill i'm a plain man i speak as i think jane felt wonderfully cheered oh do you know engaged she asked isn't it lovely wouldn't it be jolly to act it very may i ask whether you have enough guests to make up the cast we shall be six altogether as well as our gardener and but you'll see all of us to-morrow good-night jane returned to lucilla who had torn off her wig displaying her little red ears and crushed hair and was huddling her elderly draperies together in preparation for flight your mr tombs is rather a lamb said jane and i do really think you're right about his having a nice face oh go away said lucilla you've got me into this and now i shall never get out why it's only for once is it miss antrobus will ask for miss lucas directly she gets here and i shall have to go on acting and acting and acting and i can't and won't do it you'll have to tell them miss lucas is dead i can't bear it and i won't why didn't you be an aunt yourself if you wanted one i can't act like you said jane and mr tombs seeing me looking like a bald-faced stag he didn't know it was you no that's just it you don't know what it feels like to be an old woman and have people look at you as if you weren't there well come and get the rags off said jane and we'll see if there's any way out of it i suppose it would be a bit thick to have two aunts and have them appear on alternate evenings come on forbes will catch us if you don't look out suppose aunt harriet just receives miss antrobus to-morrow and then she could have an illness and drive twenty guineas a week away for fear of infection i'd rather go through with it than that said lucilla stumbling up the stairs in her long skirt it needn't be anything catching she might have bronchitis or asthma something that lasts for months and doesn't kill you or fits i won't have fits said lucilla decidedly whatever else i have i won't have fits and whatever we do the servants will give us away perhaps they won't oh what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive don't look at me in that wild way luce wash your face for goodness sake and comb your hair out it looks as if you hadn't any make yourself look pretty again whatever happens oh flattery's no good said lucilla bitterly i feel as if i were caught in a trap look here said jane shall we say our aunt harriet is subject to fits not kicking and screaming ones mild aberrations and generally keeps in her room and lock one of the rooms and chance the servants and have people think i was a howling animal like the woman in jane eyre yes her name was rochester too not much they wouldn't all think so mr rochester knows don't kill me i had to tell him but lucilla seemed somehow calmer jane pursued her advantage i could tell mr dix too if you liked bother mr dix he likes you very much he's always asking where's miss cray i'm interested in gardening and he knows it don't try to hint things jane 
you are only trying to make me angry on another side to distract my attention from that she pointed to the wig but it won't do there will miss quested be all smiles and charms in her pretty frock and miss cray oh she's not at home this evening and all the time she'll be here under those hot wigs and eyebrows having no fun at all this was indeed what happened think as they would nothing better occurred to them than that lucilla as aunt harriet should welcome her guests and should be found placidly knitting when they came into the drawing-room after dinner the guests all arrived during the afternoon and were received by the elaborated aunt mr and mrs thornton and the brother first they came in taxicabs with a great deal of leathery new luggage some trunks and some packing cases the two men were pleasant and cheerful with dark smiling faces mrs thornton was also pleasant they were all nice to jane and very nice to miss lucas i do think they'll do lucilla said when they had been shown to their rooms they're new brooms of course but they seem jolly and they talk as if they'd read books and seen people and done things whereas our last p g s had perhaps seen things and certainly had done people us for one never mind grammar said lucilla are my eyebrows straight they feel as crooked as a ram's horn they're as straight as as i wish we were said jane the life of an adventuress is a terrible one we are adventuresses lucilla deceitful adventuresses and here comes another cab or two what a day what a life this time it was miss antrobus with worn luggage and not very much of it she seemed to jane to be a very grave reserved sort of girl hardly smiled when she shook hands but when lucilla smiled on her the quiet smile of kindly age and hoped in that soft voice that trembled a little as old voices do that miss antrobus would be happy here she smiled herself quite nicely and said i think it is very good of you to take me in i hardly thought you would but lady hesketh and mrs rochester seemed quite sure jane did not quite like that though she could not have told you why you are studying domestic economy the untrue aunt went on not domestic political said miss antrobus gently but i have some other business to see to first i shan't settle down to my economic studies very seriously just yet i am working for the help for heroes society you did hospital work through the war mrs rochester said jane put in i do think it must have been splendid we couldn't do anything we were at school yes i was in france three years said miss antrobus and immediately turned from jane to speak again to miss lucas i'm not going to like her said jane when miss antrobus had followed her luggage into retirement i think i am said lucilla she was jolly decent to me well so were the others and now there's only mr tombs i shan't wait for him said lucilla he can come when he likes he can see the precious aunt in the evening that's enough for him i'm going to be myself till dinner and go round the garden with the thorntons and help you to introduce mr dix and mr rochester to them and tell them aunt harriet is resting and will be in the drawing-room after dinner it isn't four yet 
I'm not going to stay like this for four or five hours, so don't you think it. The Thorntons were really very nice. Mrs. Thornton was young and very well-dressed and very gay and friendly. The male Thorntons seemed to become instantly at home with Dick's and Rochester, and the party had tea by the fountain, as much at ease as though they had known each other for years. The men had, of course, all been in the army. And that is a bond that makes itself felt at once. Miss Antrobus talked little, mostly to Mr. Dix, and when she spoke to Lucilla it was to ask whether they were not to have the pleasure of seeing Miss Lucas at tea. No, said Lucilla unblushingly, my aunt is not very strong. She rests a great deal. She cannot stand much society. I hope we shall see her at dinner. She dines in her own room but she comes into the drawing-room after dinner. After this nothing seemed important to Jane except getting Mr. Dix away from Miss Antrobus. She did it by suggesting that they should all go and see the sundial, and then very hastily among the currant bushes she said to Dix, You'll see my aunt tonight. Don't let anyone know you haven't seen her before. I understand, he said. Rochester told me. Oh, did he? said Jane. All right, that's all I wanted to say. That's why I cut you off from Miss Antrobus. It would be kind of you to edge back to her now. You seem to be the only one of us that she's taken to. She's rather wonderful, isn't she? said Dix. There's a sort of radiant goodness in her face. Jane, a little humbled, had not seen it, but could not gainsay it. It's a strong face, and yet i don't know it looks to me as though she had been transplanted transplanted you know how different plants are in different environments look at those tall splendid gypsy roses there on the sussex downs in a dry season they're sometimes not an inch high lots of people got transplanted in the war yes said jane adding for the second time that day lucy and i didn't do anything we were at school. No transplanting for us. Some flowers don't need it, said Mr. Dix. End of chapter 26